All right. Well, I uh, apologize if the volume is a little lower. We've, uh, we've been trying to figure that out, so we moved the mic a little closer again. Uh, hopefully you can hear me well. Uh, I think uh, as I consider the last uh, month, month and a half, two months, um, I think we'd all agree that it's been very challenging. Uh, but it's also been a time for growth, for introspection, and hopefully we've learned a little bit more about ourselves and our world and the church I know that I've, um, I've learned that I have taken a lot of things for granted. And, and even, you know, things that I, that I thought were important, I've learned aren't, and things that I, I didn't place much importance on, I'm now feeling like they're very important. I've discovered that everything's a little bit more fragile than I thought it was before this, and uh, that everything can just, you know, change in an instant. I've learned something about how much we need each other as well. I'll admit that when I first heard that we were going into, you know, lockdown, the idea that uh, we had to stay at home and practice social distancing, I thought, well, I was made for such a time as this. You know, this I can do this. Uh, there's a meme out there that shows like this puppet that's kind of like he's looking kind of side eye in the camera. And it says, uh, when you find out your daily lifestyle is called quarantine. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, I related to that when I saw it. I'm like, oh, that doesn't sound so bad. But the longer this is dragged on, uh, the, the more I've realize that isolation and separation from people just isn't good for me uh for you know at first i had my family around me uh, quite a bit the kids would come over some and and you know i was seeing people and the pastors we would try to get together a couple times a week because we were doing different things like like these uh, events so i had that kind of going on but then i got sick and so for about two weeks i couldn't be around anybody uh, even my wife moved out of my room you know that whole in sickness and in health thing, I guess, just, you know, no, nah, i just kidding. It, the symptoms were bad. It was the right thing to do, and, and we're back together now, so everything's okay. But, but it was weird to just all of a sudden go from, you know, a few people to no people, and I didn't like it. So I've learned anew how much I desperately need fellowship and interaction with people, and especially God's people. And this shouldn't be a surprise because this whole, this whole idea of community has been built into us. It's something that, as, as our Creator made us, He stamped this into us. He imprinted this desire for community into us because the, our Creator existed in community for all eternity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have always enjoyed relationship like this, um, always enjoyed communication and unity throughout time. And through Christ, we've been invited into that community. Um, we will thrive when we're in that community, and we will wither when we're not. And some of you are feeling this right now. You know, I thought of a metaphor. The church is often compared to a body. Uh, it's Mother's Day, so I thought a, a plant metaphor might be more appropriate right now. So if you were to picture a beautiful rose bush and, and you were to pick out the most pristine, beautiful rose on this bush and, and go up and, and take a, a little pruning shear and cut that rose off and set it off to the side, what would happen to it? You know, it would look okay for a while, but then it would begin to wither and harden and crumble. Something that was so vibrant and beautiful would become unrecognizable. And this is the same thing that, that happens to Christians who are separated from the body of Christ, from the church. It begins to impact us physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So I hope to encourage us this morning to be more grateful for the family of God. We've been adopted into this this crazy family called the church through Christ. Uh, admittedly, it's, it's a weird family, a little bit of everything kind of mixed together. 
but it's a beautiful family. And they say that absence makes the heart grow fonder. My prayer is that when we do get to be together again, we will value this more. We will appreciate it more and that we will even invest in it more than we did before. So there's two passages we're going to be looking at this morning. Uh, Both of them are found in the book of Hebrews. Uh, The first one is uh, Hebrews chapter 3, and the second one is going to be Hebrews chapter 10. And I'm going to look at Hebrews 3, 12 through 14 first. That says this, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, As long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. And then the other passage is going to be Hebrews 10, verses 23 through 25. And it says this, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Within these passages, we see warnings about falling away from God through unbelief, about our hearts becoming dry and hardened by sin, and about us wavering in our faith. And this is one of the dangers that, that happens when we get out of fellowship with one another as Christians. Uh, things like this begin to, to happen. And I've seen this over and over again. You've probably seen it too within the church. You've got somebody who's plugged into the church, who's, who's showing up at everything, who's just doing well in their walk with God. And then all of a sudden, something pulls them away. It may be a job. It may be you know, a relocation. It may be a habit. It may be a person. Something pulls them away. And all of a sudden, they're just gone. Uh, everything, everything kind of just changes. It's kind of like a, you know, if you ever been to a river with a really rapid current, and you drop something in it. All of a sudden, it's miles downstream, and you don't even know what happened. It just happens so fast. And some of you right now are feeling the impact of of being away from your brothers and sisters in Christ, and maybe it's pulling you into thoughts and patterns that you know aren't good for you. So, how do we safeguard ourselves from getting pulled away? Where do we go to saturate ourselves in truth? so that our faith gets strengthened and our hearts get refreshed and our soul gets encouraged. And the answer to that is that we go to God's Word and we go to people of God's Word. We get around people that follow God's Word, that live out God's Word. That's what we need. There's something about being alone that just doesn't bring out the best in us. And The more I'm alone, the more self-focused I get the more self-indulgent I get. You start to justify things in weird ways. So the best thing that I can do is to get my eyes off of self, off of my problems, off of my plight, off of my, my rights, the things that I think I deserve, and I start focusing on the needs of others. There's something about being around other Christians that rejuvenates me. Um, it, it motivates me. It inspires me. It recalibrates me in this weird way. When I, when I get around, a, like say, a couple that has stayed married through thick and thin, it does something for me. When I see young people committed to Christ, following Him, even when it's not popular for them to do so, it does something for me. When I see somebody gaining victory over sin and, and I watch their lives being transformed, it motivates me. When I see somebody dealing with chronic pain and yet they praise God, 
it, it gives me perspective. Even even looking at some of the news stories of what's happening to Christians in other countries right now, I just watched a video of a church in China. The police came in and just started pulling people out and arresting them. And it gives me perspective. Perspective is something we need sometimes. I, I've had times in my life where I got so focused in on my own things that I started to feel sorry for myself. I started to think, you know, oh, look at my plight. Look at, you know, my job, my whatever it is. And I started just to focus on that. And somebody once encouraged me, hey, why don't you take a, just a giant huge step back get like a bird's eye view of what's really going on in your life right now where do you live <laughs> what's your life like in comparison to other christians throughout the, throughout time and, and it's so easy to you know get the wrong perspective until we take a step back I mean, the other night joy and i were sitting on the deck uh in this you know it was about 70 some degrees outside there was a cool breeze blowing we're just looking at this view of the river across the street from us and and we we just said can you believe this is where we get to live this is, you know, even in, we're quarantined, we're, you know, we're isolated, we're, and yet look at what we have. God has been so good to us. As his children, he will continue to be good to us. And so we need to think on those things. We need to think about what he's done for us, how good he's been to us, what he has in store for us. So that we're people who are full of gratitude and full of hope. And, and, and then we need to do this thing where we remind each other as Christians about this truth. And that's the first big point of the sermon today. It's found in, in verse 13 of Hebrews 3. It just simply says, exhort one another every day. What does it mean to exhort someone? Exhort just means to, to strongly encourage or to urge someone. And it says that we need this every day. If you're like me, I just know this is true. I need to be encouraged by my brothers and sisters in Christ every day. I need to be encouraged by the other pastors every day. When, when, when they do that for me, it does something. You need it every day. I need it every day. And we're supposed to be doing this for each other. The idea is that it will keep us running the race. It'll keep us believing the truth. It'll keep us fighting against sin. And it'll keep us pressing towards the finish line where Jesus Christ awaits for us. You know, it's, it's, I don't, I'm not a runner. Big surprise to most of you, I'm sure. Uh, but when, when, you know, when you're in a race, the idea that you'll begin to get weary and depleted and, and you'll want to give in or give up just seems natural. And so the idea of having a couple of brothers or sisters run up alongside of you to motivate you with their words, to, to encourage you with maybe some spiritual Gatorade or whatever it is, to, to maybe grab your arms for a while and just run with you, is, that's kind of the picture here. We need this from each other. <clears throat> we need this daily encouragement. But, but what is it that we're supposed to exhort each other to? And we see that in Hebrews 24, which is the next you know, big point of, of, of the sermon here, is let us consider how to stir one another to love and to good works. That phrase, stir up, literally means to provoke. And this is something I was always good at as a kid. I don't, I don't think this is something I should brag about. I had a little brother, and man, did I provoke him. I thought it was like, that, that's what I was put on earth to do, is just to provoke him. Now, unfortunately, I wasn't provoking him to love and good works. I was provoking him to, to something much different than that. But, but I think we all understand this idea of provoking people. Stirring people up is easy to do. I see people getting stirred up over all kinds of things today. But, but not so much love and good works. I see people getting stirred up to fear 
and to frustration and to anger and to rebellion and things like this. The church is called to stir each other up to love and to good works. Wouldn't it be great to see more Christians involved in that kind of provocation? That would point people to Christ. Remember that, that old song, the, the Christian song we used to sing, they'll know we are Christians by our love? That came to mind as I was writing this. And Jesus said as much in Matthew 5. He, he, he talks about this opportunity that we will have as his children to be distinct in this world. Different from everything else that we see. And right now we need this. Christians need to be seen differently. In Matthew 5, he said, you are the salt of the earth. You know, salt is one of those things that you know if it's there and you know if it's not there. It's such a distinct thing. It's, 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 it's unmistakable when you, when, you, when you taste it. Christians are supposed to be the salt of the world, salt of the earth. And he also goes on to say, you're supposed to be the light of the world. And again, there's no mistaking when light enters something. When there's no light, you know it. When there is light, you know it. And he goes on to say this, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I see right now frustration. Uh, I see a lot of Christians right now that are, that are talking and thinking along the lines of individual rights and constitutional rights. And, and I, I get it. I, I like those things. I like the idea of those things very much. But I want to point out something that those things, those rights, those, those ideals that we, we think of, um, sometimes that, that, that those are Christian rights, and they're not. Those are things that could be taken away from us. Those are things that could disappear. I hope they don't, but the truth is that we see it right now in, in many other countries where Christians know nothing of rights. If you were to talk to a Chinese Christian or a North Korean Christian about their rights, they would look at you and go, what are you talking about? I don't have those. So maybe we need to start thinking a little bit differently about these so-called rights that we have and how we're supposed to view these things that are going on right now. And the perfect example of this is always our Lord Jesus Christ. When you think about what it says in Philippians 2 about our Lord, did he have rights? <laughs> yeah, he had what we call God rights or throne room rights. Those rights trump every other right that exists. And, and what did he do with them? It says that he didn't consider equality with God something to be taken hold of. But he, but he said, you know what? I'm going to take these rights that I do have, and I'm going to set them aside. Why? For the good of others. I'm going to set my rights aside so that sinners can be saved. That's who Christ is. That's what he's done for us. He said, I'm going to, I'm going to put your needs ahead of my own. And isn't that the mark of a Christian? Isn't that how we should come across as this humble group of loving people, we have an opportunity right now to be marked by love and good works in this world, which will look like salt and light compared to everything else that's going on. So the next time you, you think about some of the inconveniences that we have right now, something as simple as putting a mask on, right? I don't want to wear a mask. I'll look silly in a mask and I'm pri you know, I got pride and I don't want to do it at all. But you know what? I can think of it in two ways. I can think of, you know what, I have rights. I don't have to wear this thing. Who do they think they are? Or I can say, you know what, I'm going to love my neighbor. I'm going to love my neighbor right now, and I'm going to think of them before myself. Which, which way do we want to go? Do we have the mind of Christ? Are we willing to put other people's needs before our own? 
Are we going out into this world as hope dispensers? It's kind of a weird way to think about it. I mean, we can be depositing hope everywhere we go right now. Are we setting an example for other Christians to look at and to follow? The next time you're tempted to complain, and I am tempted to complain all day long, instead of complaining, take a big step back. Do that perspective thing I talked about and and thank God instead. We have so much to be grateful for and thankful for as Christians. We have been saved. A Savior came for us, took our place on the cross so that we will have an eternal future with Him. Forgiven. We have life. We have, we have everything in Christ. So the next time you're tempted to complain, step back and thank God instead. The next time you're tempted to put down a leader, put them down on your prayer list instead. Pray for these people. I can't imagine what it would be like to have their job right now. No matter what they do, somebody's going to be mad. It's going to be wrong. Pray for these people. These are dark times. Be the light of the world. Not just individually, but collectively. One light's pretty, pretty cool and distinct, but 200 lights together, that's like a beacon of hope. And that's what the church is called to be in the community. We're going to have more and more opportunity as, as freedoms start to come back and as things have to go out into the community and be hope, to be light, to, to do good for people, to love people. And we need to find creative ways as a church to do this. Well, the third big point of the, of the sermon today is found in Hebrews 25, and that's this, this idea that together we're better. Um, it says we must not neglect gathering together. Neglect is, is an interesting word. When I think of the word neglect, I think of like a neglected animal or a neglected child, something along those lines. And yet, this is kind of the, the word that's been used here. It's, it's a thought-provoking way to think about what happens when we isolate away from the people of God. You're neglecting others and you're being neglected at the same time when we don't gather together as the church. To go back to that picture of us running the race, it would be like if you, if you saw one of your brothers or sisters in Christ who were trying to run the race and they were laboring and they were struggling and they were having a hard time just moving forward. Maybe they've even fallen down. And rather than come alongside of them to help them, you just kind of ignore them and look, you know, go your own way. That would, that would be the idea. We can't do that. We need to, we need to be together in this thing. If we're going to exhort each other daily, and if we're going to spur each other on to love and good works, it stands to reason that we need to be intimately invested in each other's lives. And this goes back to the idea of community that I started with. We were built for this community, this innate need for it. It's good for us, and we will thrive within it. And according to Hebrews, what it says is that we're going to need to do this all the more as we see the day approaching. Well, what is that talking about? What is this day that they're referring to? The day refers to the day of the Lord or Christ's return. The day is the, the finish line. It's the end of the race. And it says as that day draws nearer, the need for us to exhort each other every day, the need for us to encourage each other to love and good works, and the need for us to gather together is increasing. The closer we get to that day, the more we're going to need to do these things. Why? Most likely because things are going to get harder for us as Christians. The closer we get to that day, if you've studied Revelation, like we, we just looked at it recently, we, we see that it's going to get harder for Christians as that day approaches. Persecution is going to increase. Rights are going to decrease. Falling away is going to increase. 
and, and, and that's part of the goal in both of these passages we looked at in Hebrews as far as why we're to do these things, why we encourage, why we, why we gather, why we exhort. It, it's so that we, we do two things. One, we cause each other to hold fast to our original confidence and, and so that we hold fast to our confession of hope firmly to the end. That's why we need to do this. That's why we need each other in this. You know, it's, it's easy to have faith and hope when everything is going well. It's much more difficult to have hope and faith when things get hard. And that's the question for you right now is, as things have gotten harder, what are you hoping in? What are you holding fast to? What is your confidence in? Is it in Christ? Or is it in something else? If it's in something else, you're going to have a hard time holding fast. You're going to have a hard time holding firmly because it can, it can be taken out of your hands in an instant. But if you're holding firmly to Christ, if that's your real hope, you have nothing to worry about because He can't be taken away from you and you can't be taken away from Him. And, and that's what we, would, we want to encourage you to think on. Trust in Him alone. Hope in Him alone. The other things might go away. He will not. You know, we don't know how much longer this is going to go. Um, how, how much longer it's going to be before we can begin to interact in each other's lives. And, and I'm optimistic that it's going to be soon, sooner than later, I hope. When that time does come again, let's not take it for granted. Let's value it as this gift of God that it really is. We've been born into a community. It, it's, it's a gift of grace from God to have each other. And we need to take full advantage of this family called the church and be a part of it. In the meantime, now and then, we need to be about these things. Exhort one another daily. Find ways to encourage your brothers and sisters. Get creative. There's lots of ways to go about it. Think of ways that we can stir each other up to love and good works. Provoke each other to love and good works. Not to fear, not to hopelessness, not to rebellion. Love and good works. And then lastly, we we can't neglect meeting together. I know it's challenging right now to find out how to do this. I know we want Sunday gatherings back, but we can get creative. There, there's ways that we can do this. Think about what Paul could have done with a smartphone. <laughs> Think about what he could have done with a Zoom meeting. Paul would have been like, are you kidding me right now? You guys can do what? Yeah, we have ways that we can do this as, as we wait um, you know, to really get back together again. I kind of hear people saying, you know, until we get Sunday mornings back, um, we, we really aren't getting the church back. And that's not true. There have been many times in history where the church was not able to meet publicly and corporately, and yet the church grew. It didn't miss a beat. It goes on. We can be confident that the church of Christ will prevail. Uh, at the verse 10, Hebrews 10, it says, He who promised is faithful, and we can take that to the bank. Christ won't leave us. He won't forsake us. We have a secure future in Him. So, church, be encouraged, be hopeful, be full of faith. Father, I do pray right now that um, as your people, we would be hope dispensers. We would be people that, that when, when, when the world sees us coming, when they see what we post, when they hear what we talk about, that they would say, wow, that's different, that's unique, that's hopeful. They have something that I don't understand. That, that they would even say, what's the reason for the hope that you have right now? When nobody else has hope, everybody else is fearful and afraid, why do you have hope? And we can point them to you. We pray, Lord, that there would be opportunities for us as Christians to see many people come to Christ as a result of what's going on in our world today. Father, fill us with hope. Fill us with faith. 
thank you for what you've done for us. We know that in Christ we have everything. We have every reason to hold fast till the end because of him. We thank you that he will hold fast to us as well. So, Lord, thank you for this time now that we get to discuss this further. Thank you for what you're doing. Uh, We do pray, Lord, that soon and very soon we would gather together in any way that we can as a church and that we would take full advantage of what you've given us in this community. Amen. back we're back yeah good word thank Very you good. thank you um any questions that you guys have or anything like that we'll be trying to find those on here and in the meanwhile we'll just probably discuss a little more so yeah i know a lot of you guys have had questions too about you know um what what, what we've been thinking about what we've been talking about praying about we, you know we are we are considering all these things we have been paying attention to what's going on and and trying to figure out you know how to fit into all this as a church and how to how to move forward and all that so um rest assured we are really putting a lot of time thought and prayer into this and uh, we're trying to find this balance between um, being good citizens uh, being loving toward our neighbor and yet still doing all that we can as the church to be the church right now as well so a little bit of a tricky balance right now but yeah yeah one one thing that uh um, you know i was thinking today while while you were preaching brent was uh just this idea of our rights right and as as americans like we we like our rights yeah um you know we fought to have the rights that we have you know people people have given their lives so that you know we could have a first amendment that says that we can freely gather and and those rights are important and thankful that that we live in a country that has those like not every country has these kind of rights thankful for that but like i was thinking about First Corinthians 8 and Romans 14, where, where Paul talks about, um, you know, setting aside your rights mm. for the sake of others. And, and, and those passages aren't exactly a one-to-one correlation to what we're dealing with here, but, but the larger idea, um, like Paul talks about in First Corinthians 8, there was these people that, that were okay eating food that was left over from an idol sacrifice and other people that it just went against their conscience. Uh, and, and Paul told the people that, that had the liberty, like, for the sake of your brother, like, if this is going to bother your brother and if you're going to destroy the one for whom Christ died, like, let's have perspective here, like you talked about, what, what's really important, Christ and, and, and his people. And so uh, there's this idea of kind of setting aside my right for the sake of someone else. And he talks about kind of similar things in, in Romans 14 of, of you know, not uh, leading other people into sin because of your own liberty and your own freedom. Uh, considering others and in that considering of others that, that even though you know I have a, a right a right as an American citizen that, that we would be called to set those rights aside at times mm-hmm. out of love for neighbor and care for others mm-hmm. I preached a sermon a long time ago out of first Corinthians passage and it was called gospel first right second and, and I think that's just the way we need to look at it you know what what is the priority the priority is that people come to know Christ so the gospel has to be our first priority I like rights. I'm all about them, you know. I mean, I, I'm a pretty selfish guy. You can imagine how much I like my rights. But, but gospel first, rights second. And, and we need to keep that in perspective, I think. I think that'll help us. Yeah. I, think, I think, like, some of the confusion, at least, that I see in my life and with talking to other Christians is that, like, like freedom is a good thing. Yeah. 
liberty is a good thing. Rights are a good thing. Um, Christ is a good thing. Kingdom of God's a good thing. The gospel's a good thing. And I think that we, we take all the good things and we just throw them into a bowl. And we, we forget what goes where. Um, and the truth is that, that you can have things that are earthly or worldly or fleshly, like liberties and like things like the Constitution. It's worldly. It's not eternal. It's, it's, it's something now that we enjoy. And then you've got other things that are unshakable and eternal that supersede and, and sometimes even, even lay over the top of those worldly rights. And so I, I think that's where we need to be like discerning and, and careful in times like these is knowing these good things from these good things. Yeah, and it, these good things trump these yeah. good things. <laughs> yeah. We pulled those into this. We in, just throw it all in a bowl. We, we don't separate them out. And, and the reason that I, you know, and again, I, I don't want these to be taken away at all, but what if they were? Exactly. What, what if, what right. if all the rights that we've come to love as Americans and know as Americans were taken from us? Does your hope go away then? Does your faith go away then? Is that what it's tied to? Or, or does, it, does it not miss a beat because it's tied to Christ? And again, I hope they don't go away, but what if they do? Exactly. What, what happens next? Right. And, and, and I think we do need to be aware of the fact that they could be taken away. We got a small glimpse of it, and we didn't like it much. It didn't bring out the best in us. Right. We, 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 uh, we almost, I see the tenacity people going after those things as though they were guaranteed, and, and they're, they're not. Yep. Christ is guaranteed. That's what we hold fast to. Yep. Um, and like you said, as if away. they're connected directly <laughs> to the gospel or, yeah. or to God for us, and they're not. Yeah. Like they're they're like there are there are two kingdoms, and we need to remember that. We need yeah. to remember that there's there's a kingdom coming that is that is far superior to anything that's ever existed, and then there's the one we live in, and it's it's a we we can be way too invested, way too mindful. Yeah. Um, we can enjoy way too much the world that we're in now. Um, that that doesn't even make sense compared to that which is coming. And that's where we live in this balance right now. Let's take advantage of what we have while we have it. Um, the freedoms we have, they allow us gospel opportunities. Uh, they're good things for the church to have. Uh, the fact that we can meet without fear, you know, meet corporal, those are good things. Let's take advantage of these while we have them. Let's just understand that at some point they could go away and, and, and be prepared for it and know that that doesn't, that doesn't change anything for us as Christians. It doesn't change, shouldn't affect our hope and our faith when it does. Correct. Right. There's a question that came in from Dave. Uh, several churches, including from Bend, have filed suit against the governor for closing mm. churches uh, being unconstitutional. How do you guys view that? We got that memo, um, and we have the opportunity to sign that and get on board, and there was no way we were doing <laughs> There's no way we were doing that. Do you guys want to speak to why? <laughs> 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 it's a hard one because I, I I understand the, the you know the the desire for um, churches to be able to meet again. I want it a lot, um, and, and yet I don't know. It's a hard one. Again, right now I think of um, hockey's not happening, baseball's not happening, basketball's not happening. This isn't you know this isn't something that people have just targeted the church and said we hate Christians and we're going to take something away from you. That would be a very different thing. This yep. is a, this is a lot more than just that, and so I don't know. There's a way that we can show love to our neighbor right now and, and show uh, our willingness to sacrifice and 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 to show that kind of almost the unstoppability of the church, even if we don't get to meet on Sundays. That this is you know this isn't this is no thing for us. Uh, we can we can continue on and 
Um, so many people tie it to money. They say the reason the churches are doing this is because they're afraid that their giving's going to stop right. and they don't want their giving to stop. And it just, it doesn't look real great in the community. Well, even going right. back to where we started with rights, I mean, when you, when you start to think of the motivation that would be, be behind something like that, where churches are coming together and suing somebody, I don't care who it is or yeah. how wrong they are and how right we are, it really comes back to rights being everything again. The churches, I mean, why else would you do something like that if yeah. it wasn't all about your rights, you know? So. Right. And I don't like reading, reading scripture. Like we don't get the idea that the church is instituted on earth to fight the government. Um, you know, it's, it's not the mission of the church to fight the government. Um, there are, you know, churches throughout the world that, that live under, you know, governments that are far more corrupt than ours. And again, thankful to live where we live and, and have the freedoms that we do. But as, as Brent talked about today, like there, there's a bigger picture than, you know, fighting the government for our, our right to freely gather that, that we would encourage one another. The, um, I think we mentioned on Wednesday, like the gospel is still true and the Great Commission is still in effect and the Great Commandment is still, like those things are all still the mission and the role of the church more so uh, than fighting the government. And it seems like the impetus of this thing is more about, you know, picking a fight uh, more than anything else. And that's, that's you know, at least in part, why we didn't want to sign on to that. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, if the church, if the church's greatest goal is um, is the gospel, is is seeing you know people saved, um, then it's it, what does that do when we we come together and we you know um, we're going rights first? You know, I mean, you can't you can't really do both at the same time. We, I was embarrassed when I saw that. I mean, just to be honest, when I saw that come down, it's like, oh, here's here's the church, and we're going to get lumped into that, even if we don't participate in it, because we're part of the church and we're we're Christians, and to see Christians um, go after anybody like that, like on that level, again, it's it's about rights, and it's not about what what people looking on who desperately need Jesus see. We're actually sending a pretty bad message if we do, even if we have the right to do it. Or we're right in doing it. And the comments that came, I mean, I looked, I shouldn't have looked at them. I don't know why. Don't look at the comments, but <laughs> the comments were brutal. Man. Yeah, it's just same like, thing. They, they, just, they, they viewed us as being just like selfish, spoiled. Exactly. You know, I did too when and, I saw and it. And it was, it was yeah. hard. Yeah. The, I, I do want to point out there's a difference, though, between if there came a point where everybody got to meet and the government came through and said, but the church can't. Yep. That's different. That's different. And when that time comes, yeah. Yeah. we're going to meet. Well, and we're going yeah. to find a way to still do what we yeah. need to do. And that doesn't mean we sue people. Um, we don't sue people. We but, don't, you know, and it may mean we get arrested. It may mean yeah. we get persecuted. I mean, right. the, the Christians in China right now are told they can't meet in a home. Yep. You know what they're doing? They're meeting in homes. Yes. And 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 the church in Paul's day, they were told, you know, they can't meet. They they found ways to meet. They met yeah. in tunnels. They met underground. We will, you know, again, when, when what they're asking us to do goes against what we know Scripture tells us plainly to do, yep. there'll be a different thing here. So right. it's and that's not like the we're laying that, down. Yeah, and that's the question that a lot of Christians need answered is. Like when is it okay to fight? You know, I've I've kind of heard that. You know, like when when is it okay to to be disobedient and to to go against the powers and the authorities? And it's it's exactly what Brent said. Which this is not what we're going through right now is not that. Um, so. I got a couple of things that came in, but I gotta read them. <clears throat> Uh, it says things get approved for 25 people or less, and are we are and we are within the regulations? Will youth group be able to start? Um, yeah, 
Yeah, the minute I would say, uh, you know, the minute we get approved for 25 or less, which looks like it should happen on May 15th, if you if you came in late, um, it's not for sure yet, but it looks like it will. I think everything that we have can start again. Uh, we have to social distance somewhat. They're going to have some rules. They might say you have to wear a mask or you have to have tables six feet apart or whatever. And we'll try to, you know, we want to we want to honor those things the best we can. I, I saw in one, uh, I think it was in Kentucky, church can meet again, but they can't sing because they'll just be, you know, shooting Corona all <laughs> over the place, I guess. I don't know. But, you know, we, we definitely uh, want to get everything started up again as soon as we can. Uh, and I think just about everything, even the women's Bible study sits right around 25. So we're, we're excited about the possibility of getting things started up again. Mm-hmm. I got a question here. Um, Paul appealed to Caesar as a Roman citizen. And he told the Roman soldiers that he was a Roman citizen when being beaten without due process. Was he wrong in exerting his rights? Yeah, I, in that instance, I mean, the, the, again, um, I, I see that as something different. I th- I, Paul was, was um, they were breaking the law, and they didn't know they were breaking the law. And he pointed out what you guys are doing is against the law. Mm-hmm. Um, he was working within the parameters and the framework of, of the laws that have been given. Right. Um, he just pointed out what you guys are doing is actually against the law. Right. Um, it would be the same thing as if that happened in the church right now. If it, if people started to come in and say, like right now, I don't think um, constitutionally the church isn't being singled out. Correct. When it when that starts to happen, when the when the when when our constitution says one thing and the church starts to get singled out and we're being treated completely different than everybody else, that'll be a totally different thing. Yep. And we're not seeing that right now. Right now, it's 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 across the board. If that happens, that will change things. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think a lot of it too is, um, I think I was talking about this with someone earlier this week, is the way that we do things. So even if we, if the church ever becomes, uh, ever comes into a position where it's justified um, in rebelling against what it's being told to do, that doesn't mean we're justified in being hostile with our attitude or our words or being angry or being hateful or being divisive. Yeah. We can we can lovingly go about our business with God and also love our enemies too, like at the same time. And I think that's a lot of what I appreciate about what, what you were saying today is um, like, like none of us like this on certain levels, but none of that justifies a, a provocation or a response of anger, bitterness, all the things that are not the fruit of Christ and the fruit of the spirit. Like we are still, we can still disagree with people and completely love them well and completely speak well to them and about them, um, even though we disagree. And that's where the church really can shine right now. And and I feel like um, even with the the lawsuit thing is that it, it is saying something, like there's an attitude behind that right now, again, we're not singled out. So it just, it's like, it says something that's not real loving. <laughs> yeah. I mean, part of the premise of the, the lawsuit is they're saying that the way that um, the government went about it was wrong. They were right. supposed to, you know, there was like an totally. area they were supposed to get legislation, you know. So th- th- there's something in it, but it just, if we waited out just a little bit, I mean, even right now, the other night when we were talking, it already shifted a bunch to where now it looks like we might have 25 and under can meet again. That's huge. Yep. I mean, that's a big deal right now. Yep. That's almost like we get to be the church again. Yep. Now, Sunday gatherings <clears throat> are still going to be up in the air a little bit. Yep. Maybe they'll open it to 50. And maybe we start meeting in a way where we do something. You know, we'll get creative. We'll try to figure it out. Mm-hmm. But but there's encouraging things already being seen right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't have to we don't have to go into um, fear mode or, you know, um, offensive mode, I guess. Right. Well, right is now. the church right. the only one that's done that so far? 
has, has, has there been any like bands like that aren't able to have concerts right now or movie theaters or anything that have brought lawsuits against the governor? No, it's kind of, I mean, it, this, is, this, of. this is part of what I'm talking well, about. Well, and when you look at some of the things that have been canceled, I mean, these are high ticket, high money making items right, and everybody's events. being asked to suffer. Everybody's being asked to sacrifice. That's why it and, looks and we're saying, well, wrong. we're not, we're not going to. Boom. And that's that's where it gets a little weird. Boom. Yeah, and I think a difference between you know, like like the comment about Paul appealing as a Roman citizen, like what we're talking about here is is love of neighbor and kindness towards neighbor. Um, I mean, we're we're in a pandemic, and we don't want to play a role in spreading the sickness, and so we want to do what we can uh, to be loving to our community. Uh, as much as we want to gather, um, it seems prudent to to do what everybody else is doing, what we're being asked to not gather for the public health and public safety. So a little bit of a different circumstance than Paul appealing to his right as a, as a Roman citizen in due process. Well, if Paul didn't turn around and sue him. Right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, you know, there was a misunderstanding. They cleared it up, and they, and they moved forward respectfully. And, yep. um, yeah. And I think we can get into these modes sometimes in our in our faith of, uh, like we kind of keep our head down, we got the blinders on, and it's and it's just me and Jesus. And we can sit around and kind of lament the fact that like well, I can't gather with my church, which we should lament that fact. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, to, to some of your your points that you were you were preaching, Brent, like we're we're not thinking about okay, we can't gather. How how can I encourage other people? How how like can I pick up the phone? Can I send a text? Can I send an email? Um, you know, whatever it is, like we don't always think about those kinds of things. Um, you know, when, when we're talking about our rights being impinged on upon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what a what a neat opportunity that we have to to think of, you know outside of ourselves. Absolutely. Is that it? It's it's slowed down. So yeah, I'm trying to read my. I just. My eyes are that bad now. I can't, I can't read this little screen. <laughs> uh, we would encourage you guys, as we always do, um, these are hard things. We understand that. You may have some questions right now for us, and, and we're, we're open to questions. Uh, we would ask you guys to pray for us, um, ex- exhort us, encourage us. We need it. Uh, this is a hard time right now for, for uh, pastors in general. Uh, we're feeling the, the crunch and the, the pressure of this, too, trying to make wise decisions, trying to make godly decisions, trying to lead the church well. We take this very seriously and we want to do it well. Um, so please pray that God would give us wisdom. And if you want to yes. you know, respectfully have a conversation with us about how you might view this differently or whatever, we're okay with that. Um, again, right now we need to band together as the church and unify mm-hmm. um, with a common goal and a common purpose yeah. and, and not be fragmented. Yeah. And whatever we're doing right now, um, we have an opportunity to point people to a hope in a savior and to a kingdom that is different than what we're dealing with now. And I hope that's, that's the, you know, what's on our minds more than anything else. I want to add also to that, that, that we do have a conviction, um, that the Bible teaches an attitude, um, on the church that we've been talking about, including what we talked about today. So the way that we view what's going on, even though we don't like it, like we're convinced (laughs) that this is what our Bible, um, would have the church do what is is the way that the church should respond and so even if you differ on it and we can respectfully have those conversations like we want you to know that like our obligation and responsibility as pastors is to um, enforce and encourage um, you guys in in what we believe the bible what our marching orders are as a church Um, and so like um, you know if we hear things or we Sometimes we'll, we'll see a group of people um, being influenced by each other 
um, kind of move in a certain direction, like it's our job to, to even um, to lovingly call that and say, hang on, hang on, guys, don't go that way. Go this way. Um, because that's our job. That's our responsibility uh, yeah. to do that. And so we, we will do that. <laughs> so, but it's because we love you and we love the church. So, yeah. Yeah. Amen. We've got nothing else here on the chat. Somebody chimed in and said, uh, I feel like we have all been going through the mourning stages of losing our freedoms, anger, pleading, etc. I feel through uh, prayer, we can come to acceptance by praying for peace that surpasses all understanding because we don't always need to understand, just press in and accept. Um, I, you know, I, I do think we all, we, we, we look for answers at these times and we look for reasons and things and sometimes we just need to trust God in this and, and I, I agree with that idea that um, God says he has a plan and a purpose that will prevail. Mm -hmm. um, he has a plan for this nation. He has a plan for the church. Uh, we just need to trust trust in that at sometimes. And and so, you know, hopefully, um, you know, we, we motivated you guys to focus on the things that we're supposed to be doing as a church right now. So encourage each other, uh, provoke each other to love, uh, to good works, and, and let's find ways to gather um, as much as we can right now, whatever that looks like. Uh, and hopefully literally gather in groups of 25 or less very soon very soon so there's there's still much to be hopeful for he who promised is faithful we know this to be true so i i hope that uh, the church is encouraged right now and and hopeful of all the opportunities god's given us um moving forward right now so god bless you guys and um yeah have, have a great day mothers thanks for having Mother's day yeah yeah. yeah love your moms honor your moms and and uh, we'll, uh, I guess, see you guys very Wednesday. soon. We should, we should end in prayer, I guess. We huh? should end in yeah. prayer. Yeah. All right. Father, we thank you again that, uh, uh, that you've given us a family of, of believers that we can band together with, Lord. That there's a lot of fragmentation in the world right now, and the church shouldn't be fragmented. So, so bind us together in the unity of Christ um, in a common purpose right now, Lord. Help us to understand that, that there's, the gospel is our priority right now more than anything else, sharing um, the, the person and work of Christ with those out in the world who have no hope and who have no future uh, with you. We, we pray that that would be what we're about, that you would give us unique opportunities as the church right now to be salt and light in our own community and in the world. And you'd give us wisdom, Lord, on how to navigate these difficult times in a way that honors you, that brings glory to your name, and that it magnifies Jesus Christ in, in everything we ask. And we pray for this in Christ's name. Amen. 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 All right. Blessings, guys. Have a great day. Have a good day.